Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm your host, Paula Thomas, and if you work in loyalty marketing, join me every week to learn the latest ideas from loyalty specialists around the world. The 2023 Consumer Trends Index shares attitudes and desires from over 10,000 consumers on topics such as purchase behavior, preferred marketing channels, privacy and data, as well as what drives loyalty with their favorite brands. You can get your complimentary copy of this report, along with access to several free webinars by visiting meetmarigold.com. Marigold is the home of Cheetah Loyalty, delivering world-class MarTech solutions and industry expertise designed to help marketeers of all sizes grow the relationships that grow their business. Learn more at meetmarigold.com. Hello and welcome to episode 339 of Let's Talk Loyalty. Today, I'm delighted to be exploring loyalty from a strategic marketing perspective. Learning what drives loyalty as an outcome and as a feeling, rather than any one particular loyalty program. My guest is Jason Fu, the founder and CEO of a London-based agency called BBD Perfect Storm, which specializes in brand and culture transformation with the goal of unlocking irrational loyalty for its clients from their customers. Jason is also a global board director and treasurer of the Marketing Society. He's a marketing fellow, and he's on the advisory board of the Alliance of Independent Agencies. Along with all this serious stuff, Jason is also super great fun. So for anyone looking for loyalty inspiration with a healthy dose of mischief, make sure you connect with him on LinkedIn. I hope you enjoy our conversation. So, Jason Fu, welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty. Thank you very much, Paula, and uh, a warm welcome from a very cold London. Indeed, uh, a cold London, and I know you very regularly get to visit us here in our lovely city of Dubai, so um, always a pleasure. And I've been wanting to talk to you about loyalty for a very long time, so this is uh, very exciting for me. Um, So before we get into talking about all things loyalty, Jason, as you know, I always like to start this show really to understand from a personal perspective as a professional in the industry, what is your personal favorite loyalty program, Jason? Thank you, Paula. Well, uh, well, as you said, uh, I do uh, I do get to travel to the Middle East and, and indeed as part of my job to many other parts of the world. So invariably, I think one of the uh, travel and hotel programs is inevitably going to feature quite strongly in my life. And so uh, the program that stands out to me is Marriott Bonvoy. Okay. And the reason for that is uh, sure they do things like uh, enable you to redeem points for free hotel nights and things like that. But that's not really what connects me to them. I think Marat Bonvoy do a tremendous job of really being an emotionally experience-led program that enables you to, to share those experiences with people that matter to you. So okay. Marat Bonvoy is for me. 
Okay. And we haven't had them on the show yet, Jason. So if you've got any, uh, you know, secret connections, please do let them know. Or if anybody's listening from Marriott Bonvoy, we would well, love uh, to talk to you. Well, well I've not seen this and, and, uh, and this isn't why I called them up, but uh, they have actually just become a client as well. As Congratulations. Well, wow. so, uh, so, so perhaps I could uh, I could an introduction. Okie dokie, brilliant stuff. Well, listen, that is specifically actually my selfish agenda in asking that opening question because I'm always kind of fishing for for new guests. So um, so it has multi multi benefits from our side. So, so listen, um, you are the founder and CEO of BBD Perfect Storm, and I was very struck by the name actually, Jason, because. I suppose I know you from your work um, from of some of the clients, some of the projects, of course, through the Marketing Society as well, which we'll talk about today. But I just really thought, you know, perfect storm is um, is a very um, insightful term. And, you know, clearly there's a very clear reason that any company chooses its name. So I wanted you to explain exactly where did you come up with this name, BBD Perfect Storm? Thank you, Paula. Yeah, and Perfect Storm. Uh, is meant to be something that's naturally emotional and memorable, as hopefully um, all good brand names are. But um, but it it also signifies the kind of intersection we sit at in terms of consumers um, increasingly questioning the the role of brands within their lives, within society, yeah. um, the explosion of channels of uh, media, and and the uh, the demands and, and challenges that puts on consumer attention. And um, and I guess how one navigates through that in terms of creativity and, mm. uh, and data and storytelling. So it really does feel like we're in a perfect storm of forces. And, yeah. uh, and how you can, how do you harness those to, to powerful effect to hopefully yeah. bring outcomes for, for your clients and for consumers. And and what also struck me was the fact that you came up with that name in 2013. So 10 years ago, um, obviously, you were noticing, mm-hmm. observing and feeling. And I think we were as consumers as well. But dare I say it in 2023, the storm is stormier. <laughs> <laughs> the cliches are, are coming out thick and strong here, Jason. But genuinely, I mean, I really do think that the world feels like an even more difficult place for a lot of people. Indeed, and, and um, when we started the company in 2013, and, and we're a brand and cultural transformation company, we we believe that at the heart of that, um, the role of purpose in, it would become even more important to to marketing, to organisations, and to society. And so, I guess through that, as you've observed, actually, purpose is increasingly a question that organizations are asking themselves and and in a society where things are ever more stormy as you say politically socio-economically in business terms um, I think purpose plays an important part in in how we all navigate through that and would you say the kind of clients you were dealing with 10 years ago were already clear on that on the role of purpose Jason because to me it's probably only come on my radar you know, maybe four or five years ago, like the strength and the power of a purpose-led brand. And I think about the audience and everybody listening to us having this conversation today. And I think I said to you last time, Jason, the reason I fell in love with the loyalty industry was because it gave me a sense of having a purpose 
to take care of and literally love my customers. Because let's be honest, at the end of the day, customers are your only source of revenue. And I was lucky enough to work on a program, a loyalty program in Ireland, where absolutely that sense of integrity came through. So, but purpose is almost a level up, I believe, in terms of the strategy and how brands can can really behave and become more relevant in the world. So, so I guess what I'm asking you is, was that early thinking for a lot of brands when you started talking about it? And where are they at now in 2023? It, it was early thinking. And I guess uh, you, as with all things in life, I, I believe that you, you, uh, you tend to get back what, what you put out to some extent, or, or what you put out determines what you get back. And, uh, our purpose is that we exist to build and grow brands from which the world benefits. And nice. if, you're very, if, if you're very clear about that, then it's extraordinary how organisations yeah. that want to uh, benefit the world and, and believe that they can have a beneficial role in, in society, whilst absolutely being commercial entities, come to you because they, they find like-minded thinking and, and values and beliefs. Yeah. So, so our, our early clients were very helpful and I guess instrumental in then shaping the work we did together which yeah. then attracts other like-minded organisations. And mm. we're now tremendously fortunate to work with lots of global companies that, that see purpose as an intrinsic part, not just of how they connect to their consumers, but of course how they... They provide inspiration and, I guess, unlock discretionary effort to put in their mm. own organisation yeah. by being clear about the role they play in society and, and what they bring to the world. Yeah. And do you think that the C-suite executives that you tend to meet are are clear on, as you said, the commercial benefits of actually having a true purpose and being clear on that? Uh, that's a great question. I mean, I think the first question is probably actually a lot of C-suite executives, are they absolutely clear on their organisational purpose? Um, the yeah. difference between kind of what they make and why they exist. And we, we could we could get into a deep conversation here about you know, purpose and, and uh, what is a purpose, etc. But uh, part of what we do with organisations often help to crystallise and define their purpose. Okay. Okay. Yes. Which I think in my experience, many lose over time. So I think it can be there at the at the founding stages of an organization, but as we grow and as we scale, then perhaps it does get diluted. Um, and the commercial sometimes takes over from the sense of integrity and taking care of those customers. Um, and sometimes they start looking for cheaper ways to do that. Again, well-intentioned, but when it comes to being loyal to your customers, I often feel there's compromise along the way. And it sounds like your job is to kind of remind them of that and bring it back to a sense of why did we start this company in the first place? Absolutely. And, and you know, do you need to remind uh, the C-suite of the commercial benefits of purpose? Well, I guess in some ways that would, does, you know, often purpose is, is compared to things like uh, vision and mission. And it would hopefully sort of feel like the guiding north starts the organization that then unlocks all of the other commercial benefits through mm. having an aligned organization all, all pointing in the same direction. Okay. To achieve the same ends. So you guys don't set out to build loyalty programs, just to be clear. Uh well, we we do um we do 
often help and advise organizations on loyalty programs and, and we have created consulted and, and indeed delivered and executed loyalty programs but what's super important for us is that's not the starting point and i think one of um, my challenges uh, and one of our beliefs is that too many people see loyalty as a strategy yeah we believe, and, and i would contend loyalty is an objective it's a goal it's a consequence of creating a great engaging emotional and meaningful relationship with your consumer and a useful relationship with your consumer that then mm. leads to loyalty as an outcome so consequently yes you know sometimes a loyalty program is part of the pathway to achieving great consumer retention and loyalty yeah but it's not the starting point but, yeah. but to the question do we advise um clients yes we're, we're very privileged as i say to to work with a number of global brands on, on how they optimize their, their programs and indeed evolve them to, to more yeah. future-facing propositions. Yeah. And I do think the optimization piece, um, you know, really has come to the forefront, dare I say it, through the um, more recent difficult years with the pandemic, for example. I mean, my experience, Jason, has been that loyalty programs and loyalty professionals listening to this show have grown in terms of their role within organizations. The level of respect that they are seen to have has absolutely taken on a whole new meaning. And I would love to know, do you, do you feel that that's happening, both in terms of the people maybe that you meet through the marketing society and, of course, through your own clients? Absolutely. And I think your reference to the pandemic is an interesting one because uh, the pandemic represented the worst recession in, uh, in three, over 300 years. And as you know, we're, we're moving into, uh, in many parts of the world, increasingly difficult economic times again. Yeah. And... Interestingly, through the pandemic, um, I look for, for example, uh, airline loyalty programs. They were the only part of the business that was actually making any money. So, you know, whereas airline loyalty programs have often been seen as almost a um, a, a part of the business that uh, takes away revenue from airlines because yeah. they provide free seats through points which might have otherwise been sold as revenue. Yeah. Suddenly. During the pandemic, when the planes weren't flying, the visibility and profile of airline loyalty programs as a revenue driver through their various partnerships, et cetera, became super prominent. And more broadly, as we, we move into uh, challenging economic times at the moment, one of the great um, mantras of, of customer retention and loyalty is that it's five to 10 times uh, cheaper to retain a customer than it is yeah. to acquire a new one. Yeah. So surely this means that this is the hour of loyalty. This is the time for loyalty to to really yeah. uh, to to step forward and stand up and, and be that um, beacon to the organisation as to yeah to what can be done to to drive it forwards in, in challenging economic circumstances. And equally, Jason, and you are preaching to the converted clearly with my audience. What I also worry about, and I know you do as well, is that there's an awful lot of loyalty programs that are not working. And I think as we come through, as you said, whether it's recessionary times or, you know, just good business management, everyone listening to this show, I know, was in a position that I was in for many years, which is justifying and defending 
what really generally is um, a significant investment, a huge amount of spend. So, you know, as you said, it, it, it absolutely makes more sense to retain our customers. We absolutely know that. But given how difficult it is to measure the actual performance of a program as such, like what kind of advice would you give to loyalty professionals listening to this show who are, again, fully convinced, you know, uh, preaching to the converted, but actually have a management team that want to understand why is it that loyalty's time has come? So please, God, we're coming out again of pandemics and recessions and recovering, but still the investment has to happen. So what would you say to those kind of people? Well, I guess my, my first challenge would be, and as you said, there's a lot of loyalty programs that aren't working. I believe the reason that they're not working is because they're focusing on the wrong type of loyalty. And broadly speaking, I think that there's uh, there's deal loyalty and there's real loyalty. Okay. And far too, far too many loyalty programs lack differentiation and they fall into the trap of loyalty being essentially a series of promotions, discounts, and points-based offers. Yeah. That's transactional loyalty. It's rational. Yeah. And if we're really trying to, you know, and, you know, a rational relationship is, that sounds like an oxymoron to me. Relationships. <laughs> Not fun. <laughs> well, relationships uh, are emotional. So yes. the question yeah. is how do we build an emotional relationship? And, yes. uh, and that's what I believe real loyalty is about, which is how do you actually make the consumer's life easier, better, and, and more more meaningful to the things that well, to the things that matter to them. When, when I look at far too many loyalty programs, I, I question how are they meaningfully conveying the essence of the brand that they represent, or are they getting caught into the vortex and the race to the bottom of, as I say, points, discounts, and, and offers, as opposed to absolutely representing and being the essence of of what that organization, that brand stands for, mm. and being able to articulate that to the, to the customer in the most meaningful, empathetic way with a true understanding of what's important for that customer and, and wrapping it around them in, in that way. Mm. So, so my, my challenge to, to your audience is, are you offering dual loyalty or are you creating real loyalty? Okay, that's sound bite of the show, Jason, I think <laughs> right there, huh? <laughs> Totally. No, and I do agree. And and it, it certainly wouldn't be the first time in this show that we talked about transactional loyalty versus um, emotional loyalty. Um, so, uh, but I think you're absolutely right. You've nailed it. Like most people are going, absolutely, but how? And I know you've done some incredible work and you have really designed, launched and built things, which... I, I think what, what strikes me is, first of all, as a human being, is that I actually feel the purpose of the brand coming through in the work that I've seen that you're doing. And it's why I wanted to have you on the show to to see where that kind of, you know, feeling comes from. Like, like how do you go about creating emotional loyalty? Or can you give us some examples of, of how you've managed to do that so far? Certainly. And, um, and uh, when we talk about the how, I, I think... I think there's, I guess, sort of structural aspects, and then there's the more sort of uh, strategic brand aspects. And, uh, and maybe we'll we'll talk about the structural aspects first, and, and then okay. the strategic brand aspects. Okay. So, so, so structurally, I think that uh, modern 
modern loyalty programs for, for want of a better way of describing them, um, need to think about their pathway from program to platform to ecosystem. The, the truth is the world does, does probably not need another loyalty program. There's already too many loyalty programs in the world. And if we talk about uh, your region and, and the UAE, I believe in the last uh, 24 months, something like eight or nine new loyalty programs have entered the market. Yeah. And we're talking about a, a country with a population of, of 10 million people. Yeah. And all of those loyalty programs are, are trying to earn a slice of life. Yeah. And, and it, it's, it's quite straightforward that they can't all possibly succeed in, in, in that, that aim and endeavour. So the, the mm. question becomes is which, which ones will succeed and, and how do they earn that slice of life? And, and the challenge is how do you move from program to, to, I believe, first of all, becoming a useful platform? And what is the difference between a program and a platform? Well, loyalty programs and the better ones do at least seek to convey the meaning of the lessons of the brand that they represent. They, uh, the mm. better run programs will offer high levels of personalization, customization, perhaps gamification, etc. But relatively speaking, these are still sort of tactical adjustments and improvements. I mm. don't believe that they're fundamentally integrating themselves in, in useful, meaningful ways into their consumers' yeah. lives. Yeah. I believe that the way that they can is by moving to, to becoming a platform. And, and how do you become a platform and what is a platform? The platform is when you become the interface between you and the organization that you're representing to the consumer. Mm-hmm. So that when, when they engage with you through that platform, you're genuinely making their life easier, better, more useful, rewarding, and meaningful. So, nice. yeah. I mean, let, let me, and sometimes that involves things like points. But more fundamentally, as I said, it's about a deeper integration into the consumer's life. So, for example, I'm, a, I'm someone that, uh, when I have a little bit of downtime, quite likes to uh, go for a run, just a little bit of, I guess, physical meditation. Now, I'm not a serious runner, but I, uh, I do like to use the Nike Running Club app, okay. which I think is quite a useful platform in that it tracks my runs, provides yeah. a little bit of coaching and inspiration. But as a result of that, understands my habits, uh, and uses that data to then offer me relevant products, services, etc. But then enhances my relationship, provides that that value exchange that's mutually rewarding to to both parties. So a yeah. super useful pa- platform. Uh, yeah. Ultimately, I think if if you, if you can get to that, and you know, but there's many other examples of, of great platforms. But I think. If you can become that interface, that then gives you the opportunity to yeah. start to build your ecosystem. Because, as I say, we're, we're not most loyalty programs are no longer trying to build shared wallets. They're trying to build shared life. Yeah. And the way that you build shared life is is being able to usefully serve the different parts of a consumer's life that you understand and, and can rele- rele- relevantly uh, provide. And I mean, a great example, for example, that uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Discovery, which is yes. a South African of health course. insurance company, and yeah. uh, within uh, within the UK, they, they operate as uh, Vitality. Yes. Now, Vitality take a, a very different approach to insurance in that they uh, 
they reward you for living a more healthy and active lifestyle. Yeah. And, and if the more you exercise and, and adopt healthy habits, the lower your insurance premiums, as, lots of, as well as providing lots of different lifestyle yeah. benefits. Yeah. And then they, they build an ecosystem of products that support that, both in terms of the lifestyle benefits I receive, be that um, uh, free cinema tickets and Starbucks yeah. coffee to hotel space, as well as a, 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 uh, an ecosystem of products from car insurance, which involves safer driving, to mm. health, health insurance, to life insurance, etc. Yeah. But a, a very clever ecosystem of um, of both benefits yeah. and rewards aligned to uh, to the product proposition. It's the first time I've heard the phrase uh, share of wallet uh, moving to share of life. So I think that's a, a big one. I've heard some airline programs, of course, on this show um, articulated, but not, um, I suppose, in terms of a strategy, the way you've just explained it. So, so thank you for that. I do think that that's probably something that everyone needs to be reflecting on. Because as you said, we, we just simply can't sustain and none of us even engage with the number of loyalty programs, even as loyalty professionals, like so many people, Jason, come to me and say, oh, what's loyalty like in the UAE? And honestly, there's so few that I actually use that I'm almost embarrassed. I'm like, oops, <laughs> I'm uh, overwhelmed. Of course. Yeah, uh, absolutely. No, so how do we, how do we get you to, to produce the programs you do more by, by everyday engagements? And, and of course, that's... And, yeah, and you do that through share of life, and that's the challenge I think for many yeah. airlines is, you know, for the vast majority of people, they might take one or two flights a year. Totally, they have them in main everyday relevant and, and evolve themselves to be more of a lifestyle proposition by, yeah. by creating everyday engagements. And to do that, they need a bit more of an ecosystem. So it sounds like we uh, need to be thinking about whether it's partnerships, which is my background in loyalty, uh, coalitions, Absolutely. consolidation. Absolutely. Am, I, am I on the right track? Absolutely. Um, category adjacencies, etc. <laughs> category adjacencies. Oh, my God. We're here with all of the jargon. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Yeah. No, that, I love other stuff relevant to to the consumers. Uh, of course, to, to your core proposition. Totally, totally. But but I do think, and I, and I love the fact that you talk about uh, discovery as well, Jason. Because when I'm asked that question, which um, as you know was not my favorite thing, um, but when I'm asked my favorite loyalty program in the world, it's always discovery in in South Africa. So the level of integrity, purpose. Um, authenticity. I mean, I can't use enough superlatives uh, to articulate. And, you know, I have been uh, promised that they're coming on the show um, in a couple of weeks time. So I won't give anything away until we've got them fully booked. But it, it is an incredible story. And I've worked in insurance, for example, as a sector, you know, again, advising on loyalty programs in the Irish market. And we always had this kind of you know, just just incredible respect and love for what Discovery has at its heart. And I know it comes from the top down, which I know we, we often say is one of the core principles for, for loyalty programs to be successful, is to have that sense of purpose, to have that CEO with a vision. Um, Adrian Gore, I believe, I, I've just remembered his name. Yes, exactly. Right. So, yeah. 
Yeah. And uh, that obviously explains now why you always look so healthy, Paula. <laughs> See, but I'm not the one out running, Jason. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So listen, UAE, you've done some incredible work here as well, Jason. We did uh, we did talk to uh, a couple of people, and I suppose we still have a lot of programs in this market that we're we're, we're very keen to, um, you know, I suppose share the stories of. So um, so we'll definitely be building on what the UAE is doing as well as a market because. I don't know about you, but for me, what I love about this country is we always want to be like the best in the world. And there is, I suppose, a willingness to invest and and to get it right. You know, and we're, I suppose, we're, we're quite lucky that economically we're doing pretty well. So tell us a bit about some of the programs you've been involved in this market. Yeah, we've, we've been very um, privileged to, to do quite a lot of work in the UAE. And- and as you as you say, Paula, one of the things I love about working in the UAE is the sense of ambition and belief and, and the desire to truly innovate and just challenge the conventional, yeah. which, which uh, just makes for, for dream um, partnerships and assignments with clients. We've been uh, very fortunate that we were uh, involved in the uh, early development and, and a number of years ago, the relaunch of uh, Skywards, uh, Emirates Airlines, uh, frequent flyer program. Yeah. Uh, more recently, we've been involved uh, with Shaloub, whom uh, you'll Fantastic. be well familiar with. Yes. The, uh, the largest um, multi, sorry, the, the largest uh, luxury retailer in the yes. Middle East. Uh, we're incredibly fortunate to uh, co-develop and uh, produce the share program for Majid Alpha Team, which has quickly become one of the most. Um, Successful and popular loyalty programs within the, within the UAE, mm-hmm. and uh, and we're delighted and very proud to uh, work on the Etihad guest program with Etihad Airways. Okay, my goodness. So what sounds and, like? I, I, sorry, I should have mentioned obviously yeah, that Marat Bonfoy also now based in the UAE. So. <laughs> oh my goodness! I didn't even know that. Wow. Absolutely incredible. So, and you counted for me last time, Jason. I'd never actually done the um, the simple um, the numbers. So, eighteen loyalty programs in a country, as you said, of ten million people. So, it does feel a little bit overwhelming from a consumer perspective at the moment. W- would you agree? Yes, and and, um, and as you say, there's been, well, there, no one has cards in their wallet anymore. Yeah, but uh, I do believe that there is going to be consolidation, and, okay. uh, and I, I think more. I think uh, more broadly around the globe, we are already seeing consolidation and um, alliances and coalitions where points currencies are starting to be consolidated. Which, which I wonder about um, as a strategy. But, but that aside, yeah, I think um, I think we are going to see consolidation, and. Uh, only the strong will survive. I'm okay. afraid to say. <laughs> Very dramatic, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, ultimately, uh, much as I believe that uh, business and commerce is, uh, should be purposeful, yeah. ultimately, it's, you know, it, it's a competitive environment. And, and unfortunately, I think some yeah. competitors will be squeezed out. Yeah. But I do think it's 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 a right 
you know, it, it's a good piece of advice. In, in, if I was a loyalty manager or director of a program now listening to our conversation, it might be the first time that I would open up the possibility internally, for example, of do we need to go and become a an ecosystem, as you've said? Do we need to uh, look more seriously at partnerships? Because in my view, there's been an, an awful lot, and I'm probably talking more about Ireland at the moment, but a lot of informal partnerships, contrabasis, you know, quite gentle. But it, it seems that there may be a need to to really take it more serious. And I know you talked about loyalty as, you know, that the strategy side is distinct from the, the structural side. So it almost sounds like the conversation needs to get um, more serious, actually, to use that word, and to literally say, can we do this on our own? Can we fight yeah. and justify that that phone space instead of the, the the wallet stuffing that we've all suffered from? We also know that people are kind of blue in the face with them, you know, download this app and that app. And to your point earlier, actually, and, and you reminded me, like one of my favorite observations when I look around the world at maybe China, for example, and one of my most startling loyalty program um, case studies that I, I saw won a Cannes Lion Award, which blew my mind, was Kentucky Fried Chicken. And I mean, to me, that's not a brand at all that I would have held in such high esteem, but it actually developed and disrupted itself to the point where they built a super app and they literally said, we want to be incredibly useful for our, you know, I think it's 500 million people they were targeting in mm. terms of the, 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 the demographic. But they actually kind of said, look, we're either going to be disrupted or we're going to disrupt ourselves. And I actually saw those words on your website as well, Jason. Mm. So, so it feels like that kind of that huge proposition yeah. is almost as big as we need to be thinking. Uh, absolutely. I think I think the great challenge is uh, that we we all understand the nature of relationships. I mean, it's it's a it's a thing of mutual exchange, and yet um, suddenly we we go to work and we seem to sort of let that all go out the window, and yeah. it's just about what value can we extract from our consumers. Yeah. And uh, to to paraphrase uh, a great late American president, that's not what. Uh, your program, you know. <laughs> <laughs> your members can do for you. <laughs> exactly. <could> you? <laughs> what you can do for your members. And I think uh, if you should, I know you had uh, Maria Gideon on your program uh, last week, and I actually talked about uh, CPIs, customer yes. performance indicators. Exactly. But, but it speaks yeah. to what are you doing for your customers and, and yeah. how much more useful can you be to your customers? And I think if you do that and you start from that lens, yeah. Then actually the benefits follow. And never more so important than, than in the challenging economic environment when yeah. you're still looking down. Absolutely. And and certainly what I've learned, Jason, and I can hear coming through in everything that you speak about is they do feel it. Consumers know whether you're running a program in order to extract value from them or whether you're genuinely trying to do something that's meaningful. So I think that was the light bulb that I didn't have when I first started my first loyalty program and running it. But thankfully, the brand had it. So O2, as you know, is, is an incredibly powerful brand. So I think that's the key lesson that, I, that I'm learning from you. They, they, they really do feel it. I mean, uh, another of your guests that you've had on is, is the uh, the wonderful Kim Hardacre. And, and yeah. we're uh, we're very privileged to work with Kim uh, on the Etihad guest program. But yeah. uh, we've talked a little bit about how does how does the 
uh, program represented the essence of the brand. And mm. uh, Etihad is uh, is on a pathway to, to becoming the world's most thoughtful airline. Yeah. And uh, and Etihad Guest is is seen to be the world's most thoughtful. Yeah. Um, travel and lifestyle program. And to your point as to do they feel it? I mean, one of the things that we we worked on a, a specific um, communications campaign through uh, through COVID with Kim was uh, was all about saying, okay, in this time of COVID. How can we create some moments of thoughtfulness? Yeah. And rather than, and actually, why don't we go out to our members and, and say, we'd like to reward you for being thoughtful. And can you nominate who you think is the most thoughtful person you know? Yeah. Um, to, 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 to briefly summarize, I mean, there were many, many thousands of, of video entries of people doing incredible acts of thoughtfulness through COVID. Yeah. But uh, one particular family, um, was nominated twice, both the father and the daughter, for the uh, for the incredible wow. acts that they were doing to sort of help uh, less privileged people. And, yeah. uh, who and they're actually based in the UAE. So, to, to get a long story short, uh, Etienne had decided to surprise uh, both the father and the daughter with a kind of a, a mystery uh, experience where. Wow! Actually, they flew in their family from around the world oh to kind of have this, this uh, amazing sort of yeah. mini celebration and an incredible kind of their thoughtfulness. And yeah, uh, well, what was quite extraordinary as a result of that actually was that the uh, the person being surprised was so impressed with Etty Hads and, and the perfect storm. He referred us to the uh, the head of Marion Bonvoy. <laughs> that wow! That's quite how devastated <laughs> he was by the experience, but but. Um, well, More importantly, and uh, broadly, the uh, the scores and the attribution of Etty had guests as a thoughtful program have yeah. absolutely rocketed, and, and it's for Kim to decide sort of the specifics of how much she wants to reveal. But yeah. to your point is to do the members feel it. It's it's incredible to see. Yeah. How how uh, thoughtfulness as as a attribution to Etihad is is rocketing. Incredible. And I do, I retain it every time. So, you know, Kim obviously speaks at a lot of loyalty industry conferences and I'm always moved to tears, Jason, when she presents those those campaigns around thoughtfulness. And I know I'm not the only one. So um, so well done on, on some incredible work. I know she loves working with you and uh, yeah, the, the results just speak for themselves. And again, I know she's very much into the analytics side of things. So as much as we need our hard numbers, it's nice to know that it can be done in a way that's actually meaningful so as human beings we can sit back and go yeah I can see and understand and feel how that works so yeah it's very exciting uh, work and time for loyalty professionals I think huh it, indeed indeed I have to say I think uh, I think this is the time for, totally. for uh, loyalty to, to really um, to, to really take advantage of uh, and be the flag there for your organization in terms of uh, where we stand and, and what it can do for, for the business Wonderful. Well, listen, on that note, Jason, is there anything else that you think is a, a burning topic that you wanted to mention for our audience before we wrap up? No, I think um, I think I've probably <laughs> talked us out, but it's been uh, super, super fun to, to, uh, to be on the show, Paula. Thank you. And um, really enjoyed the chat. No problem. Where can people find you, Jason? So uh, they can absolutely find me on LinkedIn and um, and at bbdperfectstorm.com, of course. Thank you so much for having me on the show. 
No problem. Jason Fu, International Man of Mischief and CEO of BBD Perfect Storm. Thank you so much from Let's Talk Loyalty. Thank you, Paula. This show is sponsored by The Wise Marketeer, the world's most popular source of loyalty marketing news, insights, and research. The Wise Marketeer also offers loyalty marketing training through its Loyalty Academy, which has already certified over 500 executives in 38 countries as certified loyalty marketing professionals. For more information, check out thewisemarketeer.com and loyaltyacademy.org. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like us to send you the latest shows each week, simply sign up for the Let's Talk Loyalty newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and we'll send our best episodes straight to your inbox. And don't forget that you can follow Let's Talk Loyalty on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And of course, we'd love for you to share your feedback and reviews. Thanks again for supporting the show.